You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church slash messages. So, um, this week, uh, our staff, we went, uh, we went on a staff retreat uh, camping. That's what we did. Uh, we, we haven't done this as a staff in a long time. In the early days of Thorn Creek Church, I mean, this is like when we ran a total of like 50 people, 40 people. We would go on a staff camping trip, and we'd like enjoy the mountains. So we haven't been back, and we went to uh, Reverend's Ridge at Golden Gate Canyon State Park. You ever been in Golden Gate Canyon State Park? Reverend's Ridge, and we, we, we had like a little cul-de-sac, a little loop there that we had. But um, <coughs> we, uh, I had my, my air mattress and everything, and decided to take my dog, who is a Christian but not filled with the Spirit, so so I took our dog and, and, and you know uh, you know you know introduced him to the rest of our staff, and now our staff knows my my troubles very well. And uh, but while you know, as at night, um, one of the nights, um, you know, when, when you're when you're in bed, anybody like sleeping in a tent? Anybody like yeah? A few, a few of you. Anybody like sleeping like at the the Hilton, that you like the Hilton, okay, <laughs> so, uh, so at, at the tent, uh, we were, we were at the tent, and, and it was late at night, and it was me, and it was actually, uh, it was, it was Hannah at that time, and, and our dog, Caddy, at that first night, and uh, <clears throat> he's never been camping before, our dog's never been camping, this is all brand new for him, so while we were, while we were there, um, he, you know, like you're at night, and, and you shut off the flashlight and everything, and it gets really dark in the tent, and, and all you hear is, like, sounds on the outside of the tent, and you think, like, there's a polar bear outside walking around or an elephant or something like that. You know what I mean? And you hear everything. You hear everything. You're, you're attuned to it. Your senses are heightened, and you're listening to everything. And, and right around, it was exactly at 1.49 in the morning, Caddy goes ballistic, and he's like at the tent, and he's like right here at the tent, and he, all of his hairs are standing up, and he's like, and he's following the tent, like, and I'm just watching him go down my tent, following this animal on the other side of my tent, which only separates us like this much, you know what I'm saying, my tent. And I'm thinking, it's like a bear. There's a bear on the other side of this tent. If Grace was there, I would have said, Grace, go outside and check what it is, you know? Uh, so so there, there's, 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 I'm thinking, like, what is going on? My dog is smelling something. It went all the way down. And for the rest of the night, he's like sitting down, and he's staring at the wall of the tent like this, just sitting down, and just looking at the wall in position like that. And like 15 minutes later, I heard another tent, another, I didn't hear a tent, I heard a dog in another tent all of a sudden go ballistic. I talked to the to the person, you know, at the at the, the the visitor center, and she said it was probably a moose. She said there's a moose that wanders around, and if the night is is bright and it's a full moon, it's probably a moose. And they don't like dogs, they don't like people, so stay away from moose mooses. But <laughs> I, I, I the whole time I was praying, you know, I had to go to the bathroom, so I was like, I'm not going to go to the bathroom outside right now. <laughs> I don't know what's out there, but I was just like, I'm just going to pray. I'm like, Lord Jesus, keep us safe, Lord Jesus. I don't know what's out there, but help me to help me to hold it, God. Help me to just stay inside. I don't want to go to the bathroom. Yeah, have you ever, have you ever, you know, you're in time when I had that experience. I'm like, this is how prayer life is sometimes. 
We have fears and of what's on the other side, and we don't know, and we say, God, just take care of me. God, just move. And you may not see how God is moving. You may not know what's happening on the other side of the tent or the, on the other side of that house or whatever it is. And you're just crying out to God and saying, God, I just need you. All I can see is what's in front of me, and it's not a whole lot, and I'm going to trust you. You realize we get together today, tonight, and we get to cry out to God. You get to cry out and cry out and pray to the God of the universe, the God of the galaxies, the God of the cosmos, one who doesn't have a beginning or an end. You don't even need like good cell phone coverage to cry out to God. You just have to cry out to God and he's just looking at your heart and God hears your prayers. Scripture says if we humble ourselves and seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways, he will hear our prayers. You get to come to church right now, and you can say a prayer for someone who's living in Yugoslavia, and God will move there. You can pray for someone who's living in Texas or Massachusetts or California. You get to pray and say, God, would you move in that person's life? God, you know what's happening. God, would you do a miracle? And God hears your prayers. And there's incredible power when the church comes together. Incredible power. All right, guys, let's jump into this. Acts chapter 10. We talked about this last week. We talked about the Gentile Pentecost. This is the chapter when the Holy Spirit comes down on the Gentiles and the gospel goes global. It's no longer just for Jews. It's now for Gentiles. And in chapter 10, it's a beautiful chapter. It should be the favorite chapter for any Gentile in Acts. It's when, it's when, the, when the gospel goes global and the Holy Spirit goes global. Chapter 11, I just want you to be aware of chapter 11 because it's the first time, first time in the Bible in Acts chapter 11 that the word Christian comes up. It's the first time. I want to read just a little bit so you can see it. Uh, then Barnabas went out to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. First time. Antioch's a really interesting city. A lot of business, but there's a lot of pagan stuff happening in Antioch. This is not a, a, uh, a culture that has like real, you know, good values. It's just, it's just the opposite. And it's really interesting because Antioch was famous for its readiness to jeer and call names. And it was known by its witty epigrams. So the believers, they, they called Christians. The word Christian literally meant like a Christ one. It meant that they were a party of Jesus or they were Jesus ones. And they were saying that to mock Jesus' followers. They were mocking them, saying, ah, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. It was a, it, they were mocking them, and that stuck. That stuck. They kind of were like, you know what? That, that's, that's true. I am a Jesus freak. That is true. I know you're trying to insult me, but you know what? You're right. I am a Christian. I am of the party of Jesus. I am a Christ one. I like Christ. You know what? I like that. And that name, Christian, stuck. That's what happened. So when you look at the rest of the book of Acts, I want, this is such a 
turning point in the book of Acts as we look at this. I just want you to understand what's happening here. In the first 12 chapters of Acts, this is an overview. It's all really about, you see Peter. Peter is just all over chapters 1 through 12. But when you turn the page and you go from chapter 13 through 28, that's the last book in Acts, the main character is Paul. And that's what you see. So as we're, we're looking at chapter 12 today, this is really the last chapter that you really see Peter being the main character. And afterwards, he, he's still involved, but, but all of a sudden Paul rises and he's the main character in the rest of the story. In chapter 12, at this point, it's been 11 years since Jesus ascended into heaven. It's been 11 years now since the, the church has been born. It's 11 years now since the Holy Spirit has come down on the disciples in Acts chapter 2. So 11 years has passed. When you get to chapter 12 of Acts, 11 years have passed. It was written right around AD 43-44. I want to start off chapter 12, verse 1. Let's jump into the story. It says this, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. This Herod Agrippa I, he was the grandson of Herod the Great, who ruled in the days of Jesus' birth. That's who this guy is. Really interesting, when you look at this family line, you see, you see this evil person and this evil person and this evil person. And, and I want you to hear this. Ungodly parents tend to produce ungodly children and ungodly grandchildren. So the decisions you make now to follow Christ will impact your descendants. It'll impact your descendants really well. Verse 2 says this. um, He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. John's brother. This this guy, John, right here, he's the one who wrote 1 John and 2 John and 3 John and the Gospel of John. This is the John that put his head on on the chest of Jesus. But this James that died, this is a big deal because he's the first first one of the 12 disciples. He's the first one. He's the first one. This is the only record, the only record of James in the entire book of Acts, and the only record of him is he was murdered. It's the only record of him. This also says something else, that the, the, the 12, the original disciples, they are not protected. They could die just like anyone else. So it was, it was a big deal when this happened. Uh, it was a big deal. In fact, James, the brother of John, uh, he was also called a son of thunder by Jesus. That's this guy. He was a son of thunder, and Jesus predicted his death. Jesus did that. When you keep reading, verse 3, it says this. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, Herod was a people pleaser. And after he killed James... He saw how much everyone you know, you know, endorsed it and celebrated it. Then he wanted, you know, he wanted their approval. He was concerned about his ratings. He also arrested Peter, and this took place during the Passover celebration. Really interesting, when he arrests Peter, he doesn't kill him with a sword immediately like he did with James. Some Bible scholars believe he was concerned that it was too much. He was concerned about some sort of revolt. So he just kind of put Peter in a holding place, and undoubtedly his, his fate was, was death. Verse 4 says, Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. You do the math. There's 16 soldiers, 16 guards that are watching over him. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover this public trial. It was a mock trial. It was a joke. 
Herod was planning on killing him. That's all he was planning on doing. There's no way anyone can get close to Peter. You, no way anyone can get within 100 yards of Peter. He's protected and he's shackled and, and, and there's no way. And in this story, undoubtedly, the church hears about this and the church doesn't give up. Have you ever given up on like circumstances? Have you ever done that? You know, maybe you've been praying for someone and nothing's happening. You've been praying for your marriage and nothing's happening. You've been praying for your sister or your brother or a family member and nothing's happening. You know, you've been praying for, you know, a health situation. Nothing's happening. And then little by little, the temptation is, you know, I'm just not going to pray about it anymore. I'm just going to surrender to the, to the circumstances. And those circumstances are just, are just bigger than what I can face. And they're bigger, and it's just fate, and it's just a card dealt, and that's just what's going to happen. Have you ever given up on circumstances? Remember, we had a guy, um, Eric, who used to attend here. He lives in San Francisco now. And he got really, really sick with his legs. He actually had this virus, and, and it, became a, it was a strep infection that went septic. And it was a horrible situation. And I remember we came together and we prayed with him, prayed with him. And there was a real concern that this guy's going to die. This guy's going to die. That was the concern. And God just moved in a miraculous way and the infection stopped. He lost his legs. He, was, he, lost, he lost like from his kneecaps down, but he was able to live. And, and he lives a very good life today and, and very successful. But God moved there in a powerful way. You know, God still works miracles today. God still works miracles today. He still does. Verse 5 says this, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. While Peter was in prison. This verse 5 is the verse for tonight. The church prayed very, what's that word, church? Very earnestly for him. That word earnest literally comes out of, if you look at the original verb in the original Greek language, it means this idea, it's a medical term that describes the stretching of a muscle to its fullest limits, earnestly praying. This means like, like you know, like, oh, I'm going to pray, I'm going to reach out to God, I need God so bad, I need you, Lord, I need you. It's this Utter, utter reaching out to the Lord. You know that kind of prayer? Another version says it like this. This, this is an idea that a steady stream of prayer went up. This is what this verse means. Let's pretend. Let's pretend. <clears throat> Let's say Pastor Jeremy's going through something. Or whoever it is. It doesn't matter. Josh, it doesn't matter. Someone's going through something. And then we send out an email to everyone, or we send out a text, and we say, hey, we need to come together as a church because so-and-so is going through something. And what the whole church does is everyone just shuts down. We're going to go into a state of emergency. You're going to cancel your Friday night plans. You're going to cancel your Saturday night plans. You're going to cancel your Monday morning. You're going to cancel everything. You are shutting down everything, and we're coming together to pray. You got it? It's that kind of state of emergency. They earnestly prayed for Peter. They didn't know what was going to happen. They thought, this is it. 
He's surrounded by all these soldiers and this massive army, and we know he's going to die, and we don't know what else to do, and let's just pray. And they came together, and with their outstretched arms and stretching out their muscles, they cry out to God. They cry out to God. Could you imagine what kind of church even Thorn Creek or even the church today would be? If your problem was our problem and, and your pain was our pain and, and you go through something and we just drop everything and we come together to pray. I, I realize in our culture, in our world today, we don't do that stuff. I'm busy. If I can, I'll make it. I don't know. You know, I'd, I'd like to be there, bro, you know, right here. <laughs> I'd really like to be there. If I can, I'll be there. But, you know, I don't know if I can. I'll not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can or not. That's our culture, right? We're just being real. You know, I've got other things going on. But you know what? If you went into a state of emergency, you would drop everything. you drop everything. You would. If something, if something shut down, something was important, I mean, you would miraculously find time to pray. And this church came together. Here's the early church right here. They came together because this is all they knew. There were no lights or stage or anything or mic or anything like this. They said, you know what? We know how to pray. Let's come together and pray. Maybe God will hear us. Maybe God will move. We just need to come together and pray. We just need to be reminded that we're in this together. Our lives are in jeopardy. We need to come together and pray. That's the kind of church God intends us to be. That's the kind of church God intends every local church to be. It's not a one-hour-and-15-minute club thing going on. It's, it's part of the body where we say, hey, we got to pray about something, and we come together and we pray. You shut down everything, and you say, let's pray. A praying church is a powerful church. There's nothing else like it. Now, there's always the thought of, you know what, I can pray, on my, I can pray privately in my car or at home. That's true, and you need to pray like that. You need to pray privately. That's part of your personal devotion life. But there's incredible power. Incredible power. When the church comes to bed together in one room to pray for one purpose. Incredible power. You're locking arms and you're agreeing in the name of Jesus. And you're crying out to God together for that marriage, for that home, for that man, for that woman, for that child, for that teenager, and you're locking arms in the name of Jesus, and you're saying no to the devil. We're going to cry out to God, and we want God to move. You believe in that kind of prayer? Have you been part of that kind of prayer? That's crazy prayer. That's, I'm going to drop everything tonight. All my plans are stopping. I'm dropping everything. I'm going to the church because we're going through this, and we need to pray. We need to pray. You know what's unfortunate in most Christian churches? This is just, it breaks my heart, and I certainly don't want to be this kind of church. <clears throat> but in most churches, people do not see the coming together corporately for prayer alone as a priority. Most prayer groups, I was in a church before this one that had 1,500, 1,500 people, and we had weekday prayer nights. You know how many people were in those weekday prayer nights? 
That's about it. Church of 1,500. Church of 1,500. Most churches, the praying, coming together for praying, is not the popular small group. It's not the popular group. But when you look at Scripture, when you look at the early church, you find there's incredible power that comes with prayer. Praying for your kid, praying for, praying for God just moves. God just moves. The other thing I've discovered about prayer is you, you, when you pray and cry out to God, it's never like, oh, I lost part of my day because I was praying. Gosh, if I didn't pray that long, I would have had more time to do this or that or that. Yeah, God just takes care of everything. It's a beautiful thing. Oswald Chambers says this, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. Most of us would prefer, however, to spend our time doing something that will get immediate results. We don't want to wait for God to resolve matters in his good time because his idea of good time is seldom in sync with ours. So we say, you know what, God, you take too long. You take too long, God. I have to take matters into my own hands. You're taking too long. Look what happens in verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. I, I highlighted the sleep because I thought it was really fascinating. Peter knows that the fate of, you know, under this king is, is death, and Peter is sleeping. It says so much about Peter, Simon Peter, and he's fastened with two chains between two soldiers, fastened with chains. Others stood guard at the prison gate. This was his fate. He was sleeping, and he was in chains, and there were guards over him as well. He was in chains, and there were guards around him. He was in a prison cell, in chains, with guards around him. Beth Moore said this, There are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats of the darkness that will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. If you really want to see God move in your life, just stretch out every muscle. If you really want a miracle of God in your life, just stretch out every muscle. If you really want to be delivered, if you really want to know him, if you really want God to move in your family, if you really want God to do a miracle in your home, if you really want God, if you really want more of him, just stretch out to him and say, God, I want more of you. And cry out to him in prayer. Verse 7 says this, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. Where was the church doing? Remember that? It was praying. A bright light in the cell. And an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him. Remember, he was sleeping. And said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Just fell off. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and, and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and, and came to the, what, what kind of gate is it? It came to the iron gate leading to the city. And what happened? This opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. As they prayed, 
the chains fell off. It was the prayer from this church that set Peter free. I want you to hear this. Your prayers can break chains. You've got someone who's held in bondage by something. Your prayers can break those chains. Your prayers. Prayer is that powerful. God can do what no doctor can do. God can do what nobody else can do. God can work miracles and do things in crazy, crazy ways. Nancy Fish is sitting right here with us, and I asked permission to share this with her. But she had chest pains a few years ago, I think it was. It was about two years ago, something like that. She had chest pains, and, and they rushed her to the hospital. And, 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 and I was actually at the hospital. She had a heart attack. I remember being there, and I remember seeing, I was with, with uh, and Pastor Jeremy was with me too. And we were there, and, and, and Andy, and, and I remember looking into the room and seeing uh, Nancy with the paddles. It was intense. If you've ever seen anyone get shocked with paddles, it's intense. If you're not in the medical field, it's, it's pretty intense. And, and, and they, they shocked her several times, and it was, it was a very, very dire situation. And we prayed out in the lobby while she was being, you know, shocked a number of times, a number of times. It was just over and over and over and over again. <clears throat> and we prayed together, and I left, and I went back home, and I think it, was, it must have been a Sunday or something. I don't know. But I went back home, um, and the Lord stirred my heart and told me, Reuben, you need to go back over there. So Nancy reminded me that I went back over there the same day, I think, the same day. Um, I went back over there, and I, I felt like I needed to go back and talk to her. I don't know, the same day or the next day, whatever it was. But I felt like I just needed to go back. And she was awake, and I prayed with her. And I talked to her, and I just felt compelled to tell her, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And I was talking to her before service tonight, and I said, look, Nancy, here you are right now. The Lord is taking care of you. Look how the Lord has heard our prayers, and God is watching over you, and she's healthy right now. There's no paddles on her, and God is taking care of her, and she's worshiping God right now, and she's here. That's what God does. Do you believe God moves like that? God can move like that? God can, you believe God can save your, your husband, your, your friend, your spouse, whatever? God can move like that. God will answer your prayer in a way that you don't expect. You keep praying for them. There's always this temptation of, you know what? I don't see anything happening, so I'm going to stop praying. Gosh, he's so lost or she's so lost or the finances are so bad or whatever it is. So I'm just going to stop praying. There's always that temptation. And when God goes before you, you don't need to kick through the doors. Did you notice that iron gate just opened up? When God goes before you, you don't need to, you don't need to kick over any door. You don't have to do that. The iron gate just opened. There's no iron gate in your life that God can't open. There's no iron gate in your life that's too big or too great for God. Nothing. Verse 11 says this, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from, from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. That's where they're at. So he goes to the house, and he's like, this is where I'm going to go. This is like the headquarters for the church here. I'm going to go there. And verse 13 says, he knocked at the door in the gate. I can only imagine him like, hey. Hey, 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 you know, he's knocking at the door in the gate. And, and, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. 
When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. Now, I don't know, you don't hear a lot about this gal named Rhoda, but this gal named Rhoda, she, she hears Peter on the other side. And she has so much faith. Like, we've been praying for God to free Peter, and now he's outside our door. Hey, guys, it worked. It worked. He's outside. You see this excitement. And look what they say in verse 15. You're out of your minds, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. What's up with that? This is the church. This is the church. It makes me wonder if there are times we see we say prayers to God, but secretly we think nothing's gonna happen. You know, there are times when we say, God, I want you to help me, I want you to change him or change her or give me a new job or change what you know, but, but but it makes me feel better. It's good meditation or something. So I'm gonna say this prayer and nothing's gonna happen. He's standing outside and Rhoda's the only one. He's like, he's outside. You can stop praying, he's there. And they're like, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. And it's really cool that this was a servant girl. A servant girl. Verse 16. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. I can only imagine, like, all right, man, this is getting old. <laughs> I know you're in there. He continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. I can only imagine that conversation. Guys, I had shackles on here. I was just there. And, and then this angel appeared and then they just fell right off. And, and then those guys, I don't, they just like froze and I just walked right out and everything fell right out. And this angel just went and I walked past that guard and that other guard and that other guard and that other guard. And the gate just went open. And then when I went to the iron gate, it just went open and I just walked. I thought I was in a vision or a trance or something, but then the angel left and wow. I don't know what that was all about. What were you guys doing? Praying. 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 And he said, and then he went to another place. Verse 18 says, at dawn there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. You know, when I read this story, I'll tell you what my heart desires. We've always been a church that believes in prayer. But my heart and desire, guys, is that we witness more miracles. Are you down for that? I want to see God move in greater ways. Don't you want to see God move in greater ways in your life? 
Don't you want to see God do the miraculous? Don't you want to see God do things that don't make any sense to you? Don't you want to see God move like that? I, I want that too. I want that too. And my prayer is that we come together and we resemble more and more and more this Acts chapter 12 church. This church that comes together that's willing to drop everything. Whew, I, know, I know I'm stepping on all over toes when I say that. It's willing to drop everything and say, we need to come together and pray. We need to do that. We need to come together and pray because we need God to move here. This is a real problem for him. My life might be going great, but this is a real problem for him or her. So we're going to come together and pray. It's beautiful. This this state of emergency, this earnestly seeking God, saying, God, we're not going to stop until you move, God. We need you to move. Here's what I want to do, guys. <clears throat> Here's what I want to do. <clears throat> I want to have a weekly night of prayer every week. We have a building now. We can do this every single week. So beginning in August, every Tuesday night, we're going to pray at 6.30 p.m. in this room right here. <clears throat> Beginning in August, every Tuesday night, we're going to pray at 6.30 p.m. right here. Beginning in August, every Tuesday night, we're going to pray at 6.30 p.m. right here. There you go. Let it come. Let it come. I know some of you are like, oh, is that when Walking Dead comes on? I'm trying to say, is that when... <laughs> Every Tuesday night, let's just come together and pray. And as much as you can, let's attend. Let's, let's, let's just hold on and stretch and earnestly cry out to God. And let's just, let's just see God move. Here's what I want to do to, to do this, guys. Uh, you know, it, uh, Pastor Nick, I think it was, I don't know when he said this prayer, but I really appreciated it. He prayed that, that God would move with the people who go to the liquor store and or whatever store, they would be moved to come into Thorn Creek. I really appreciated that prayer. I went to the liquor store again this week, and I looked at vodka and all kinds of stuff, looking for Pedro. I'm getting more and more comfortable going in there. I'm just telling you. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm thinking, wow, it would be cool if Pedro came to know Jesus. He's the manager of the liquor store. That would be so cool if he came to know Jesus. You know, going into that other place that, that I normally don't go into, it'd be so cool if something like that happens. I want to see miracles like that. I want to baptize Pedro right here. I want to baptize Pedro. If the Lord would allow it, Lord, would you make that happen in Jesus' name? I want to do that. <clears throat> Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you right now, and then I want to have a season of prayer, just a time of prayer. Well, let's do this. Would you bow your heads? Um, Lord, thank you for your presence. Um, if you would like to start a relationship with Jesus, would you say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins, and I turn to you with all my life. Maybe, maybe you consider yourself a Christian, but maybe prayer is just not up there for you. Maybe you need to say this prayer, God, give me the heart to pray. Give me a heart to cry out to you, God, and and pray for someone else. Give me a heart that cares for other people. Some of you need to say that prayer. 
Give me a heart that cares for other people. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.